Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to the latest edition of the Pump Fake, the final Pump Fake with a game to talk about until September. It's good to see you all, Jared Bailey, joined by the great Mike Tanier. It's great to see you, sir. How are you? I am doing well. I got a little bit of a cold, so you'll hear me uh, hacking and coughing a little bit here, but I, I'm fine. I'm doing just fine. I'm glad to hear it. Um, yeah. So, in terms of this Super Bowl, it's being billed as just the most boring possible outcome in terms of teams that that could have ended up in the game this yeah. year where it's you know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs who have you know basically have a table reserved for this game at this point and then the 49ers who have been in every NFC championship game apparently since the Obama administration <laughs> um that have found their way to their second Super Bowl in the last five years yeah. um I, I do find myself though unusually confident in betting on the chiefs to win this somewhat handedly um so i'll I'll start with the 49ers defense we can kind of break down uh into into that side of things so they've allowed 52 points over their two playoff games um they've allowed 159 rushing yards per game over over that span uh the lions ran for a buck 82 the packers for a buck 36 they are 19th in the league in epa since week 11 uh that's when hafanga got hurt so um, a clear, you know, night and day difference there. I think that when it comes down to that aspect of things, when you give Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, two weeks to prepare for a defense that's been struggling, that just gives me a recipe for, oh, okay, the Chiefs should win this. Yeah, I'm not as confident as you, but I, I recognize that, you know, when you have a team coming in with some vulnerabilities and we have a long track record of seeing Andy Reid teams and Patrick Mahomes needs to be able to you know, do this Jordan rules type thing in games like mm-hmm. this. It makes you feel that way. I'm just not as confident that the, that the Chiefs are, are 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 significantly better or like on enough of a plane there to say, well, that X factor makes a difference. It's funny you mentioned the the Hafanga injury because I I just love 49ers discourse. Well, one guy got hurt once, one guy got hurt once, and now you know it's like what 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 were we supposed to do? The the safety is hurt, and therefore we can't stop the run. That's kind of like that's that, that's pure pure 49ers reasoning. We we had some adversity and we couldn't handle it. Of course, of course, I'm being facetious. They're in the Super Bowl now. But like right. had they lost these games, I couldn't wait to hear well, what were we supposed to do against the Lions and their offensive line when we didn't have our safety, when every single other guy on the on the field is as healthy as if they just you know came down from Valhalla. Uh, ready to play. Bad example because you'd be dead if you're from Valhalla. You're coming down from right. Asgard, ready to play. Sounds like you've been watching a lot of Vinland Saga with with that uh, commentary. <laughs> Just old Walt Simonson Thor, not not the Vinland Saga. Nothing that highbrow. <laughs> um, yeah, the 49ers, like, they... How do I want to word that? I don't want to be the guy, because I, I think I've been labeled as the guy who is like the quote-unquote Brock Purdy hater. Um, <laughs> on... Yeah, yeah, I think that's just been kind of my label. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll like pull a little bit of a rib when it comes to it and lean into it a little bit. All right, all right. Um, but in terms of them, uh, their offense, that is, you know, we saw against Green Bay against a Joe Barry defense who, you know, Joe Barry's defense was so vaunted that he got fired. Mm. Um, and all it seemed to take was a, a drizzle in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. To really even the playing fields, and if you know a kick is made by the Packers, if they decide to kick another field goal early on in the game rather than go for it, um, and if Jordan Love doesn't go full Brett Favre mode uh, mm-hmm. down the stretch, you know maybe we're talking about somebody else being in the Super Bowl besides San Francisco. The same thing could be said for the game against Detroit, where you know they're up three scores. Josh Reynolds drops a ball in fourth and two. Josh Reynolds drops another ball later on on third down. Dan right. Campbell decides to go for it on a fourth down when they could have tied the game with a field goal. Like it's just a lot of self-deprecation ball, rather bounces off of a defender's head and hands. And yes, 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 you know? yeah. And we and we and then for the next two weeks we have to talk about like the comeback ability 
of this team where, you know, an interception <laughs> bounces off a guy's head for a touchdown. Then the kid fumbles and they get the ball back. Um, I mean, some of that is like, like we wouldn't put the same narrative together if we weren't pretty skeptics to, right. to a degree, you know, like some of that magical stuff happens, uh, you know, to Mahomes and then wide right by the bills and everything and, and it's fate and it's destiny. There's two elements of this. And one is, you know, Brock Purdy to win one game on Sunday with this offense and what he's been able to accomplish with it and in the system, what's my skepticism level? And I'm not that skeptical. I, I don't see any reason why he can't do that. It's different than if you tell me uh, Brock Purdy is going to get traded to the Carolina Panthers, who will sign him to a $247 million contract in the next six years. <laughs> like, they're at ceiling. Uh, and I was like, well, no, this this young man is not that guy. He certainly is not that guy yet. He would get plastered in those situations. So, you, you know, that, and that's where you have to modulate these Purdy things. You know, this idea that he's like some some backup off the street who stinks and would be nothing without these guys. That, that's that's immature, honestly. That's sure, that, that's sure. Um, and like, I don't have to talk about his legacy or what he's going to be next year, next year, next year. I can worry about that next week. Can he win this game? Yes, with the support of everything that's around him because he's won similar games in the last you The thing with with their offense, and obviously Christian McCaffrey just won Offensive Player of the Year, mm-hmm. um, and it is the weapons there that you know you touch on it. They certainly elevate his play. Debo Samuel's the one that really, I think, if you look at by just you know an EPA basis with him on the field compared to without him on the field, it's night and day for that for that offense. Yeah. Um, and. If I'm the Chiefs, I think that I'm attacking it similar to how I attack Miami, where, okay, we got Trent McDuffie, we got Legereus Sneed, we're going to press them, we're going to not respect your passing game whatsoever, we're going to make you make a play, um, we're going to bracket George Kittle. If you want to run run a little bit, cool, that's fine, but at some point in this game, you're going to have to make some plays through the air, we're not going to let that happen. I could see their game plan defensively, especially with Spags and his ability to you know come to the line with disguises and whatnot, and um, I think that you give that sort of attention and that sort of game plan against a similar team in terms of the weapons, the speed, the offense itself. I could see a very similar game plan from Spags going into this game, similar to what it was against Miami. Yeah, my worry about Spags and his disguised blitzes, fronts, etc., is you got to get to third and ten, second and fifteen mm. to start doing that. Are you tackling well enough? And they're a pretty good tackling team. Are you stopping the run well enough? They're not a good run stopping team because all this is predicated on the idea that the 49ers can't just stay on schedule and few teams play, stay on schedule better than the San Francisco 49ers. So yeah, you can use a lot of times you can look at it and say, you know what, especially from a st- speed standpoint, you can kind of match up with these guys. Cause you don't have that Tyreek Hill level. Like, Oh, the safeties have to be, you know, playing in the parking lot. You can move guys around a little bit, <laughs> but not if it's second and two. Yeah, not if it's second and two, and, and then it's like, well, then the shallow cross is going to and two broken tackles, and you're in trouble. And that's like, like I think the biggest weakness of anything in these in this game is is the 49ers run. Excuse me, the Chiefs run defense that we've seen all year, really for the last three or four years yeah. against a team that can run sort of a power type of running game. You know, where they can attack you a lot of ways and has a phenomenal running back. Yeah, they're not going to have Charles Menehu in this game, who's done um, with the I think it was what the torn ACL that he suffered. Okay, um, but you know this is still you know a Chiefs team that held Miami to seven points, that held Baltimore to ten points. Yes. Um, defensively, it's as good a defense as they've had. It's been somewhat of an uh, an inverse for them this season compared to what it's been in previous years, where you know the Chiefs offense is going to put up you know thirty points and Patrick Mahomes and the crew were just going to eat you alive. Now it's you know, you look at all the homegrown stars, especially that they have on that side of the ball. Yeah, um, it's been very different, and yet here they find themselves again with a chance to win their third ring. Absolutely, great drafts over the last couple of years to get these guys. Great system fits, and then I go back to the question of what were the Baltimore Ravens doing two weeks ago? What was that? I don't know. That was a very interesting game plan put together by Todd Munkin offensively, was it not? That's, that's it putting it mildly. Did he think he was facing Texas Christian? I don't understand. <laughs> what that was at all because uh, you know you're playing into you are not handing off at all you are not they didn't run they they it looked like they were like purposely trying to like maybe prove a point like we don't need to run the ball to win watch this but right (laughs) right exactly let's throw into the teeth of the secondary and let's get off 
schedule. You know, let's get off schedule so it's third and ten a lot, and then mm-hmm. we're going to say, well, it'll be Lamar Jackson miracle play, or you get a strip sack and it changes the entire outcome of the game. So again, I don't see the unless there's a mind control thing in the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan's like, hey, you know what? We're going to go completely off balance mm-hmm. here, and we're not, and we're and we're going to spread the field with five wide, and we're going to let the pass rush come to party, and we're going to pretend that he's uh, that he's Tom Brady. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be more of a conventional 49ers game plan. It was going to be a big Jawan Jennings game for the San Francisco. Oh, yes. Yes. Really, really hit him with the rope and dope where oh, they think it's going to be Debo Kittle or, or Brandon. I nope. We're going to, we're going to hit right. you with Jawan Jennings. Watch out everybody. Right. Ross Dwelly is coming and he's not pass blocking this time. He's not, he's not out there trying to block Chris Jones or something. Who's an X factor in this game that might not be one of the big names that, you know, we've already talked about, but you could see making a, a big difference on the outcome. That's a good question. You know, early in the week, I was hoping it was going to be Jarek McKinnon mm. uh, because I think he is an upgrade over Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who just is kind of not there. It's, you know? a, good, it's <laughs> a good thing that Brett Veach is drafted really well outside of that, or else people would clown that pick a lot more often than we do. We Right, right. And of course, it's the 32nd pick. So it's like, sure. okay, you pick 32nd, and we all saw the same guy. So anybody was like, ha, 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 ha. I knew CEH was going to say, you did not. You did oh, not. Everybody, everybody on draft rate was like, oh, my God, how did we let this happen? They got Clyde Edwards Alaire now. Right, right. And then you know, two years later, oh, we got this seventh-round pick from Rutgers, and he's the guy who's actually doing the thing, and Edwards Alaire can't see the see the field. So so that was somebody I, I, I would have had on the list there. I don't, I'm not sure. You have an X factor? I think that uh, talking to a friend of the show, good friend of ours, Matt Verderam, he loves yes. Drew Tranquil. And Drew Tranquil has been yeah. playing very well for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. So I think that that's a guy that could have uh, a big outcome in this game just because his versatility um, has been shown off. Um, there was a play against Buffalo where they had him as the cover two high safety where he just shifted wow. into it from uh, the middle of the field. And it, it worked. It worked well. So I could see someone like that where if, you know, it's a tight game late, and the 49ers are, you know, having to go through the air a little bit more. If a Drew Tranquil interception happens, that wouldn't surprise me too much. Yeah, and, and he is – this is a very big linebacker game because both yeah. teams have versatile linebackers that allow them to do things in coverage. They can stay in base more often, et cetera, et cetera. And that's an, a, an interesting X factor. The guys, the wave defenders for the Chiefs, because – because uh, and I forget a lot of their names. I don't have them in front of me right now. Because Spags likes rotating these guys in. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily hear of them. Sometimes he's moving people inside next to Jones and stuff. I think one of the guys' name is Dana. Yeah, uh, my, Mike Dana. Yeah, who's been very effective. That's another X factor where if you're going to say, well, I'm putting four guys in, as, but I'm not going to rush those four and somebody's going back in the coverage and Tranquil's playing deep safety because McDuffie's blitzing and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Those guys, whether they're occupying the box or applying some kind of pressure, can make a real difference in this game, especially if they have to stop a delay to McCaffrey. You know, if you're the response to that is a screen or a delay and you got somebody like that making a play. Yeah. And the Chiefs aren't going to be hesitant to put Jones on the right side over Colton McKivitz and be like, all yeah. right, stop him. Good luck. <laughs> Here comes right. 95. And right. uh, that's going to have to draw the attention of double teams, which is going to open up opportunities for guys like a Mike Dana um, to make plays on the line. Um, yeah. And in terms of the Chiefs offense, where I think that they just kind of settled into understanding who they are, yeah. where. You know, throughout you know October and a little bit of November, they're trying to like, okay, maybe Sky Moore's the guy. Right, nope, no, he's not. Maybe, maybe we can get something out of Kadarius Tony or Richie James or yeah. who the hell else is one of their receivers? Like, oh, <laughs> just yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll trade. We'll bring Cole back. We'll get the band back together. Yeah. I think it, once like week sixteen hit, they're like, okay, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey. Those are our three guys worth of piss on offense. We are going to run them at you, and mm-hmm. if you can stop them, we'll try to hit you with one of the other ones. But we know it works. And we're yeah. just going to lean into that with a with a hint of like Noah Gray and Justin Watson sprinkled in there, yeah. just enough yeah. to to keep you on your toes. Everybody else is out there just because we need eleven guys on the field, <laughs> right? And every once in a while, Ceh out there a little bit, which is why I thought, yeah. well, you McKinnon adds there, and you got somebody out in the flat who can, you know, make a dangerous play if you leave him alone in coverage. But that's it. And you can kind of see how they were doing it. There's very and you, there's Marcus Valdez Scantling where it's like. You get one chance per game. Go catch a 35-yarder, please. And now By the way, what, what horrible luck for the Buffalo Bills that he had two chances in that game in the division <laughs> round, and he took advantage of both of them for the first right. time since last, like, August. <laughs> sure, Marquez Valdez. As soon as he, I think for Bills fans, like as soon as MVS caught 
like that 30 yard pass that was kind of the writing on the wall like oh yeah this is done we're done this is right not right right the one guy that you could count on to not do it is doing it and you're in trouble <laughs> but yeah and you don't even see the cutesy poo stuff now it's yeah. very rare i mean we saw some of it where we had uh uh was it tony or Hardman? it was Hardman who kept fumbling at the goal line he fumbled a touchback and it's like you know it's like reed has to try to once i was like oh yes this is horrible this yeah. young man is completely unreliable. The other, other one, the other one, we can't even put on the field because he's going to go nuts on Instagram or something like that. So we have to get rid of him. <laughs> and, and you know, whatever happens, I, I, I have a feeling there'll be some kind of package to get them the ball once or twice to see if they can give you an end around, give you a screen, and then that'll be it. Because remember, Tony was the hero of the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, so was Sky Moore. Sky Moore had a nice game as well. He had the uh, one of the touchdown receptions. <laughs> so. Yeah, coming into this year, everybody's like, okay, you know, they don't have anybody quote unquote elite, but you know, you got a nice collection of, you know, B minus C plus guys that have played well in their roles. Now it's realizing, oh, okay, that was very much a flash in the pan. This <laughs> this right. is not what, what you need. Right. Um, right. I, I kind of thought it's like, oh, somebody will step up and Rice did step up. So someone did yeah. step up. I didn't see, see everyone else taking this massive step backwards where they're almost like saboteurs, which is what yeah. we were seeing from a lot. I mean, Richie James was fumbling punt returns. It's not good. Sky Moore just vanished off the face of the earth. Sky Moore's a guy I liked in the draft. I thought he was going to be the slant guy that I think Rashi Rice has turned into. I think they thought it was going to be that. I have no idea what happened to the, that young man, but like it's you know they're just not reliable people. They've ha- they've also had to rely on Rice to be more than just a guy who catches you know drag routes and slants and screens yeah. and goes for a yak. They've used him a lot more in the intermediate passing game on like digs and daggers and whatnot, um, just to get him over the middle of the field. Yeah, uh, because they they needed somebody to do it, and they didn't have anybody else. So, right. uh, outside of Kelsey, of course, but you need somebody who can right. break those runs off and not just catch a pass for fifteen yards and then fall two more yards for seventeen. <laughs> yeah, you need somebody who's coming from a split wide position. Yeah, to attack the boundaries more, and that can't that can't be a thirty four year old tight end. It's got to be somebody. And Rice has the body, and he had the profile coming in from college as a boundary receiver. I thought he was going to be a jump ball guy, so it's kind of surprising to see what he's become as he does this Juju Smith-Schuster type of stuff that he's often being asked to do now. That's one guy that they really miss, huh? Because, you know, last year Juju was kind of that underneath guy who would, you know, catch the eight-yard pass and turn it into 12. He didn't go down after first contact. They don't really have a guy like that outside of Rasheed Rice who's had to be their everything once they realized, oh, yeah, the rest of our receivers aren't good. Yeah, and you want somebody with four, five, six years experience in that role Mm -hmm. sometimes because sometimes it's about beating a zone. Sometimes it's about getting position. And Rice is doing a good job in those things, but you're learning on the job as opposed to saying, oh, we got somebody. It's his fifth year. He knows how to get that square in and when to sit down in the zone and things like that. How much of an uh, effect does Pacheco have on this game? Because he hasn't had – he's been very up and down in terms of his production uh, down the stretch. He had a really nice game against Buffalo. I think he had 97 yards on six yards of carry. Um, but outside of that, he's been somewhat quiet. Uh, the 49ers, we already pointed out their rush defense hasn't been good. Uh, if Kansas city can lean into that early, I think mm-hmm. that that really sways the momentum for them. Yeah, I, I think he's fine. I, I know the production has been lower. He sometimes gets grunt jobs. Mm. He gets a lot of grunt jobs in that offense where it's like, okay, it is third and two. You just have to hammer the line. Uh, you know, you, we're, we're using you near the goal line, things like that. They don't have the the rushing attack where it's like, oh, it's first and 10 on the 20. We're going to line up in the I formation. I mean, nobody does that anymore. But, like, he doesn't get some of those things. But he's critical to this game because, like you said, the 49ers run defense has been porous in the last two, three, four, five, six weeks. It got yeah. overpowered stunningly by the Lions. And I think that this offensive line can overpower those guys if they're still playing that way. And then Pacheco gets you some broken tackles. And now you're in a position where you're you're a balanced offense and you've taken all that pressure off Mahomes, Kelsey Rice. Yeah, Baltimore kind of leaned into the fact that, okay, Pacheco's not going to get going. He only had 68 yards on what was it? He, he, had, he averaged less than three yards a carry. Right, so, but I think a lot of that was late in the game, too. I mean, it was... Sure, sure. Crunch, 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 yeah. So. Yeah. So I'll be paying attention to that early just because... The 49ers have struggled against the run. Pacheco has been really a godsend for the team, especially um, like you're looking against Cincinnati, buck 30 against Green Bay, buck 10. He's a guy that they can rely on in the pass game as well. Yes. So um, in terms of, I mean, we're both betting men. If you had to uh, to pick a Super Bowl MVP, who uh, who who are some of the uh, the odds that you like for for that? Oh, it's actually pull oh, I love McCaffrey. Plus four, I like McCaffrey plus 450. Plus 450, those are tremendous odds. I mean, it might have changed. That, that was yesterday when I was doing a bunch of media. It was plus 450. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were joking. Aaron and I were joking uh, on the FTN podcast. And it's like, you know, Purdy for Purdy to win the MVP, 
I feel like he has to go off. Either that or every single one of the other guys has to ex- have exactly like four catches for 64 yards each. So there is no <laughs> differentiation between all of the other guys, and you have no excuse to say, well, clearly it was McCaffrey because he had five catches for 65 yards. So you're <laughs> trapped in this thing where it's like, I guess we have no choice but to give it to the guy who distributed the ball to all of them. So right. if there's any separation, and we and again, the pretty skepticism, you can take it or leave it. If it's a typical Purdy game where we're seeing a lot of yak and we might see a ball bounce off the hand of somebody into Brandon Ayuk's hand, the most likely guy to wind up with that award is McCaffrey. Again, where they're facing a weaker run defense, mm-hmm. and I just like the meat on the bone there. I'm looking right, right now. Let's let's see. Uh, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to be the victor, so okay. I think I'm going to lean into a Chiefs guy. Like okay. <laughs> outside of Mahomes, where like it's plus one fifty, so like you'd make money, but like what's the point of betting it at that point? Yeah. If Kelsey has a big game and goes for like eight ninety for a touchdown or two, he's plus fourteen hundred right now. I think that's yeah. going to be a decent one. Um, yeah. Pache- Pacheco sitting at plus twenty five hundred. I think I like that one better than Kelsey, honestly, because. When we've talked about it all show, the 49ers run defense isn't good. If Pacheco right. has a if Pacheco goes for like 21 carries and a buck 40 with a pair of touchdowns and they win, I think that that's that's your MVP. I feel like if Kelsey is the MVP, you want that money and that juice in your pocket so you can deal with the conversations afterwards yeah. about how it was all rigged, <laughs> about how it was all rigged. It's like, oh, thank heavens, you know, I, I bet 10, I made 80, and I'm not thinking about, and I could go get myself a nice couple of beers. And not think about what's going on on like right wing uh, television right now. Oh man, uh, that would be so fun to just turn on OAN or something the next morning and watch watch heads explode about Travis Kelsey hugging Taylor Swift after they they win the oh fantastic right. Super Bowl MVP and how this entire thing is fixed and all of society is set up to make this happen and like what the <laughs> hell is wrong with you what what when is the last time you know you smelled a flower or kissed a girl or you know uh, put you know I don't I don't know. Verderam and I were talking during Senior Bowl practice. He's like, I hope they win, and I hope Kelsey proposes at the fifty yard line afterwards. I'm just just lean into it. I hope they go right. crazy. It would be hilarious. Right. Oh no, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. You know, take take the craziest people in the world and rile them up some more because we might oh, as well yeah. overboil it at this point. Uh, rather than saying, hey, you know what? Everybody's going to come to their senses and everything's going to be fine. No, they're not. Take them to this this extreme level and, and then, like, you know, see what happens. Maybe that'll be my second career. I'll just, you know, if, uh, if this doesn't work out, I'll just become a, uh, a conspiracy theorist on uh, on InfoWars and just really spew nonsense and hope that people <laughs> that people tune in for it. I think that would be that would be good. <laughs> Do it while you're young. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be, I could be the uh, the future face of Infowars. It'll be great. <laughs> you and Alex Jones, I love it. It'll be awesome. Uh, the NFL awards were last night. We can talk about that real quick. Um, were there any notable snub? Well, let's talk about the notable snub because um, the so they go off of a new voting system yes. uh, where it's you know first place gets a certain amount of points, second place, third place, and so on. Uh, Joe Flacco wins comeback of comeback player of the year over Demar Hamlin and obviously social media blew up mm-hmm. for for fair reasons I, I I would say I mean uh you know what Demar Hamlin came back from compared to you know Joe Flacco coming back I can understand the the frustration of you know maybe Bills fans who thought that Hamlin should win or anybody who thought Hamlin should win what, what are your thoughts on some of the uh the awards from from last night I'll, I'll ask that question with a question what what are your feelings on Foster Moreau Foster Moreau that's a tight end correct that is a tight end for the Saints who overcome came cancer this sure. offseason. Sure. Yes, yeah. yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And got zero votes for anything. Mm. Okay. That's not great. That's not great. Because comeback player of the year is generally not thought of. There every year there's a bunch of guys who are like on the bottoms of rosters who overcame. I, th- I think John Mechie did too. He had some sort of uh Mechie thing is. that he had traded. Yeah. Years ago there was a, a player for the Giants, Herslick who overcame cancer. Hmm. Uh, and, and there's all kinds of stories like this that are usually sort of on the bottoms of these rosters. Right. And they're never considered comeback player of the year award candidates because the award is not really normally thought of about that. It's about, you know, Chad Pennington. He was bad for a year or two and had an injury and then he was good. Now, Damar Hamlin's obviously an extreme case because we watched this horrendous thing happen. Right. And then we see his inspirational comeback and we follow him. And I guess... If I had to pick between DeMar Hamlin and Foster Moreau, I'm not certain who I would pick. Sure. But the fact that like there's a blow up over this, and it's like this is a one-time thing, which means that we're not talking about what's deserved in terms of, you know, 
from the human experience, what you overcame, because then mm -hmm. we'd be looking at people who had like families of poverty and homelessness. Javon Kinlaw, a ball mm -hmm. player for the 49ers who overcame poverty and homelessness. We, we don't look at that. We saw one guy on TV who had it. And now it's a bully pulpit for DeMar Hamlin. Okay. So he played like 60 snaps this whole year. Yeah. Did, did not play a lot. Right. Right. So if I'm looking at the award and I wrote this for the messenger, it's gone now because the messenger is gone now. But like, I, I, you know, I was there when Hamlin won uh, the NFL PA's Man of the Year award. I would have voted for him for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, I would do anything to, like, promote his charities, et cetera, and things like that. I wish him the best of his career. This is an on-field accomplishment award. It always has been. Mm. And for me, it was between Flacco and Mayfield and Stafford, maybe Quentin Nelson and some of these other guys. Um, and and, and it, the, the moral right – and if you're – the moral righteousness, you know, Hamlin overcame this, that, and the other thing he did – if you're that morally righteous, how come I never saw you tweet about Foster Moreau? If that's what this is about for you, if that's what this is about for you, is it a one-time thing for the famous guy, or is it just something that like is this is your moral righteousness of the evening? Mm. Okay, I, I apologize to people who like feel like they're getting put on blast by that, but but like that that's kind of how I feel about it. No, no, no. I I think that you may have swayed me there actually because I was one of the people like okay, you know, I understand that you know. Flacco. Flacco did a lot of great things, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw somebody's like uh, tweeted out, "Well, staring at the uh, the brink of death isn't anything compared to backing up Zach Wilson." So I get, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but uh, but no, I I do get where where you are coming from with that. You know, the yeah. fact that it is an on field award, and yeah. with the with the other you know folks who might have less than ideal circumstances that plague them. So no, that is a very good point. Um, Anthony Jeselnik, the comic, has a great bit where he talks about, you know, when something tragic happens, how people tweet out thoughts and prayers and how that doesn't mean yeah. anything. It's just their way of saying, don't forget about me. And I yeah. think that th I think that that is a very good way to uh, to think about this. I, I hate to say it, but that's I, I rarely like do the performative. I have to let you know that I'm thinking about the tragedy too. Right, right, yes. Yeah, you, you know, and, and so, and, and this is how I'm going to make myself feel good about myself. It's not going to put a dollar in Demar Hamlin's pocket or into his charity mm -hmm. or anything. And during the course of the season, I'd watch a Bills game and not think about him. You know, I, yeah. You know, no, no matter how hard the broadcast tried to make you think about it, though. Right, right. You know, he had the fake, the fake punt return at the in the playoffs. Man, wasn't that something? By the way. Right, 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 and like. <laughs> You know, of course, by that point, people have voted. But yeah, but it sounds sure. like most people did vote for him first. And then yeah, he had the he had the most first place votes. Uh, it was Flacco who had more second place votes. Well, there are experts in weighted voting systems, and when mm. the weight when you change the weights, you can change everything. So I hope somebody looks at it, and makes sure are the weights where we really want it to be. Because if somebody gets what fifty voters, you know, forty first place, and it, but then like ten, he's not on the ballot because they don't think he's qualified. I feel like he should still get it. Like sure. that shouldn't be like, uh, and 10 FUs. So this dude who had like <laughs> 18 seconds and 11 thirds and three fourths. And like that adds up like, eh, make sure, make sure it's okay. You know what I mean? 10 FUs. That's funny. Uh, what, what, what side do you subscribe to for the, uh, the miles Garrett debate where, um, obviously like being a Steelers fan, I thought that TJ war yeah. TJ Watt was a little bit more deserving, not just being a Steelers fan, but I think that his production, um, was more so of that than the Miles Garrett. Yeah. Um, but where where do you fall in the uh, this this debate? Yeah, I would have voted for Watt, and I don't have the statistics in front of me because I had them all out for an article for the Messenger, which is gone now because the Messenger is gone, and I didn't go and grab them. But like Watt had more harries and pressures, and are obvious easy to find things like like forced fumbles, fumbles recovery, everything. Right. Like that. Just about every number he was ahead of Garrett, and in fact, and this is not a slag on Garrett. You look at Two other guys, Daniel Hunter and Max Crosby, who had these numbers that, you know, if you look at them, he was like on a pound for pound basis doing as much or more than Garrett. So I would have voted for Watt. I'm not going to go run and, you know, I'm not going to fight Miles Garrett. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, he'll, he'll hit you in the head with one of these. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you call me? I didn't call you anything, sir. I'm not Mason Rudolph. Um <laughs> Hit me on the head with Mason Rudolph's helmet. That's what he will do. It's just weird that like we have these voters, you know, and, and it's all you know, it's all guys like you and I. They're usually older guys, like in my range. Mm. We can all pull up the totals. We yeah. can all pull up the pressures. We can all pull up. Everybody's got 
PFF or they've got SIS or they can or they got Aaron's numbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we can all see it. And just well, well Miles Garrett. Like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? another guy who's got like five more of everything? Why isn't it him? And I guess I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't either. And I'm not going to sit here and maybe I will sit here and do this. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll throw it into the world where it just felt like all year that it was kind of driven home that Miles Garrett should be the defensive player of the year. And I think that a lot of people just kind of had it in their minds. We're like, well, he's going to be defensive player of the year. And it yeah. would have taken it would have taken an act of God from another defensive player to uh, to supersede those uh, yeah. that, that, that we're going to vote for Garrett. So uh, maybe there's a little bit of that. I don't know. I think I think so because it really was well. He's he's it. Shrug, shrug yeah. shoulders. Like, there are games when he and Watt were on the field at the same time, and Watt had more impact. There yeah. was a week two or week three game where Watt made the plays that got the Steelers the victory. And Garrett, of course, played well in that game. But like, who's the defensive MVP of that game between the two of them? Is TJ Watt? Right. And then you work your. I, I think part of it is working your way through the season. The Cleveland Browns' offensive woes where well their quarterbacks are hurt. Where the Steelers offensive woes where the Steelers are doing this on purpose because they want to come back in the fourth quarter. So when you say who's the de- who's the guy who's getting their team to the playoffs on defense, it's like, well, let's give it to Garrett because he's overcoming something legitimate, not like, oh, well, we said Kenny Pickett's a, a quarterback of the future, so he is. You know, that's just the way it is. Look at his fourth quarter stats. Get back to me. You know, that's cool. I'm, uh... I'm blown away with the way it's the conversations unfolding in Pittsburgh right now. No, you know what, man? I've learned that Kenny Pickett could, for some people, he could take a dump in a bowl of soup and hand it to people, and they would apologize to him. <laughs> where there's just some people that can't be saved, and it's it's what it is. I, I've learned to not engage with those people just because it's not worth my breath. But uh, I, I'm also not going to have high expectations for this team because I, it's going it's going to be like a Ryan Tannehill, a Kenny Pickett, and then a draft pick as the quarterback room, and then another. Oh, if they bring in Ryan Tannehill to team with Arthur Smith, that's just going to be, oh, my God. Hey. Desiccated remains of Ryan Tannehill running play-action passes. That's that's the Pittsburgh Steelers' way, my friend. They're not about spending money on actual quarterbacks. They're about uh, nine and eight seasons and immediate playoff losses now. They don't, they don't have a, a recognition. Like, organizationally, they don't have a recognition that maybe the quarterback they got was wrong. Oh, because yeah. Over 40 years, it was rarely wrong. Oh, we drafted him, we we nurtured him in our system, and therefore it's good. And like it's really taking the churn. It's like, no, it's not good. This guy isn't Roethlisberger. You know, he's right. not doing these things. So they don't have this plan B where it's like, well, what do other teams do? Well, they trade and get a guy. Like we we get Mitch Trubisky, you know, we get we, that's who we trade and get. You know, we get Tommy Maddox. That's who we trade and get. I, I was just about to say, like, they haven't had to do this for 20 years. It's not 2004 anymore where you can trot out a guy who's like barely above average or very much in their case below average and you'll be a contender as long as you have a decent defense where you know you can't trot out bubby brister and expect to win games man this is 2024 you got to get somebody who's good and they just the problem with bubby is and I, this is my era the problem with bubby is he was bad <laughs> and they had one really good young player that stalworth still but he was on his way down was lewis lips mm. and so that was it and the team was sort of going into that eight and eight hell that the Steelers find themselves in all the time and like if you have Heinz Ward and Antoine Randall L and a good offensive line and this defense and then you have like your Tommy Maddox's and stuff like that you can sort of manipulate to make it happen you don't have that and now you've got Arthur Smith who probably thinks he can do those things probably certainly told himself the last two years he can do those oh yeah I can do this with Desmond Ritter Marcus Mariota Taylor Heineke just get out the way and watch right right but without Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson mind you because they're my yeah but uh but I'm going to do it with Johnu Smith. I'm going right, right. to really – and Mac Hollins. Right. I'm going to really make this Darnell, hard on myself. Darnell Washington is going to have an insane role. My – it is going to be such heavy. Darnell Washington and Connor Hayward and Calvin Austin taking jet sweeps. It's just going to be – George Pickens is going to have 30 catches next year and get traded. And he's it's, going, it's going to be, be a- every day on Instagram. <laughs> and those talk radio ninnies out there who who – Get that certain kind of Steelers fan all riled up, are going to turn on all the receivers, and it's going to be horrendous. And yet they're still going to finish nine, seven, and one. 
And I'm going to hate it. I, I said it throughout the entire year. I said the best thing for them to do would be to go six and 11 and stink and realize, okay, we need, we need to have some big maybe changes. Every, maybe everyone wants to start over and you can look at Tomlin and say, don't you want to start over now? Yeah. And get him and, and let him move on. And then, but it, it's really organizational for the Steelers because it's Art Rooney. Yeah. He, um, I think that Rooney's just kind of stuck in his way of, well, my dad didn't draft a pit quarterback a long time ago and looked out, look how good he turned out. I'm not going to make that same mistake. <laughs> right. I think, I think that's what it is. It's that, it's that 45 year inter, or 55 year institutional memory of dad did this. Uncle did this. Mm-hmm. You know, they kept the same GM. I don't know how many years they kept the GM. And then they, this guy who is there now is kind of like his protege. So like every, plan and like continuity is generally good but like every plan is still like in amber from like 2003 right and you're like you know you you guys need some fresh ideas at this point i mean you can still draft edge rushers you guys are phenomenal at that there's these things you do well what you're doing on offense hasn't worked in a couple of years and roethlisberger was propping it up for a couple of years before that even the skeleton of ben roethlisberger was making that work for a little bit doing his it was it was a weird time to be a steelers fan that is that is for certain um but I do want to give you a chance to plug uh, Two Deep Zone, the Substack. Two Deep Zone is my new Substack, ladies and gentlemen. I'm striking off on my own because every place I work for mysteriously goes out of business in the dead of night. So if you go to Substack and you look for Mike Tanier, two that's T O O Two Deep, like that girl you dated in college, who been listened, there, who listened to the Cure back in our day it was the Cure. I don't know who it is now. Two Deep. Okay, so it's Two Deep Zone. You go there and you're going to find a lot of starting Tuesday when I really start launching. A lot of the material you want to have seen from me from the New York Times or from Football Outsiders or from Bleach Report along the way, some long forms, some humor pieces, some things that are stats and analytics. It is NFL coverage for drunkards, dreamers, and fools. And if you listen to the pump fake, it's probably for you too because that's that's who's on this show all the time, drunkards, dreamers, and fools. Right, Jared? I mean, I fall into the uh, the category of most of those. So at least two of them, right? At, at least two of them, yeah. So I, I am subscribed. Everybody should go subscribe to Two Deep Zone. What two deep young women listen to now, music wise? Oh, that's that's a good one. What did like, my ex girlfriend listen Moody, to? Moody. I'm sorry, this sounds sexist, and everything, but like like Moody, no. bespectacled young ladies. Uh what what? Oh. Who's their band? Who's their group? Who's their singer? I mean, besides, I don't know. I guess Taylor Swift, but like that seems like yeah. I mean, like my my ex girlfriend was like a big a big Taylor Swift person, but there was there was another one that that fits that category, and I cannot think of the name of it, and it's gonna really bug me. I'm gonna have to look it up later. Wow. Um, but, she, but she only goes by one name. Her music's okay, but I I can't remember her name, and it's really gonna bother me. It goes by one name. I'm like Beyonce. I don't think that it's, that's no. It's definitely not Beyonce. I think you would remember Lizzo. Oh, it's gonna. Fletcher. Her name's Fletcher. That Her name is I, Fletcher? I, yes, that is the name that she goes by. She, Fletcher. She is a pop, or I guess more like a alternative sensation named Fletcher. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, boyfriend left me or left me for a different woman type music, but it's, uh, okay. yeah, that type of thing. Um, okay. But it's, it's okay. Emo's not a thing anymore, right? That was like 15 oh. years ago. Oh, I still listen to, I listen to I don't know if you could qualify what I listen to as. Yeah, you could. There's my one of my favorite bands uh, is like a, a uh, screamo metal band that's pretty uh, pretty depressing. That, something like screamo, <laughs> not emo. That's like a different. Is that different? I don't. I think emo wasn't metal. It was more of a drone. Type would of would, my, would my Chemical Romance identify as emo? I think they're more emo than screamo. I have to get my kid in here to, to straighten me, and then the podcast gets derailed instantly as he starts. I don't care. I don't care. This is this this is great. Um, my Chemical Romance. Um, I'm just thinking of like 2000s bands. You know who Seether is? Seether was another I one. Seether. Seether was a good one. Okay. Uh, so bands like that, I think, would be like more emo. I think yeah. the stuff I listen to is more metal. But the band, one band in particular, is really focuses on like being sad. So I think that that's like emo metal. Being sad, the band. Like that, that there's somebody called that there's somebody called <laughs> no. Uh that there's somebody called Being Fletcher. It's like, it's like and I appreciate that she's just Fletcher, but like you can't even like Google that because you'll get like every person named Fletcher in the world. You get London Fletcher, you'll get London his Fletcher, career stats. Fletcher, Louise Fletcher, uh you know, Fletcher Longstreet, you'll get all these other people. So uh, I'm lying, of course. If I put in Fletcher, I'm sure she pops to the top because she's Famous now, and everyone. London Fletcher is not famous now. 
I, I wonder if she does pop to the top. I'm going to do that. After you do that are. right now. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to see who comes up. Let's okay. see. This is great for our, our podcast listeners. This is, this oh, she, she is the first one that comes up. How right. about it? Right, right. You see, you're aging out too. You know, like, uh, oh, that's some nobody I've never heard of. Like, no, you listen to classic rock stations, you old fart. This is somebody who's <laughs> doing vibrant right now. And your London Fletcher remarks, like, she's not as famous as Fletcher. Like, no one knows who the hell London Fletcher is, except if they're listening to this show right now. <laughs> Everyone else is out there listening to, to, to Fletcher and living, living vibrant lives. I think I am aging out in some aspects where, like, I'm not huge into, like, like, when it comes to, like, making TikToks and stuff, that's not my thing whatsoever. I am not that way. That's way past me. I can't do that. Yeah, we're doomed. Um, we're doomed. Yeah, I need once I, you know, am big, rich and famous, I'll hire somebody to do that for me. Um, <laughs> but right now, man, it's uh, just recording clips and posting them. And that's your TikTok. I, I can't do much more than that. I don't know what other what other people are, are doing in terms of like music wise. I'm very much not in it, though. I very much aged out on that. It only gets it only gets worse. It only gets worse where you you, you go you go to bar trivia. Okay. And it'll be like music of the 2000s. So we're talking about 20 years ago. And I'm like, I'm dead. I am dead. I have no <laughs> chance of this whatsoever. And like, yeah, and there's like people like in their 30s. There's not like kids, but like somebody who's got like a, you know, a stroller. And they're like, I know all these bands. These are my favorite bands. Like that. And, and, you know, and it's, you don't have to. Of course, you can listen to new music. Oh, sure. But I think the, the, the parts of your brain fuse a little bit and you stop like being able to like, get the excitement of new music that you got when you were younger i think even like bands that were around in like the mid 2000s like um like a day to remember you know who you know that band by any chance no i don't well they're they're more of a like a metal-ish band but like you go they they've evolved a lot where you know they make music now compared to you know 2009 it's going to sound different so it's, it's a I, yeah yeah definitely um <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm still in that weird phase where like, I'm not super young, but I'm not quite old yet. Obviously that's a matter of perspective, but <laughs> <laughs> it was in my thirties, probably my mid to late thirties. Well, it just, I couldn't eat. Like I would hear a new song 25 times. It was a hit mm. and I still wouldn't like be able even to connect to it. Like I wouldn't know any of the words. Or yes. Anything, yes. You know? And it's just like, I think something in my brain just stopped acquiring this anymore. And it's, you know, it's it's scary, but you know, we have Spotify now, and I can get all the old, you know, Tom Waits and Bob Dylan records I want, and listen to. Except them Garth Brooks, you can't get him there. Can't get him. You can't get Neil Young. Really? You can't get Neil Young. There's a couple of other artists like Radiohead's there now. Like that was a big one for like these this demographic here. <laughs> and I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear the Radiohead thing. I don't, I, I kind of saw it across your face here. The whole uh, don't date, don't date I, guy. It's the Radiohead thing. I, I think I, that, gonna, I didn't I didn't take you for a Radiohead guy. Yeah, you don't apply when you're over fifty. I think that that's like a you know if someone your age is listening to Radiohead, that means there's something there's something going on there in terms of like like there. I don't I don't I don't want to go into it too much. But that's a that's a person who owns a trench coat. If they're listening to <laughs> they're listening to Radiohead at age twenty five, I am worried. Band sad, yes. The the band, is, <laughs> band sad, sad the band. Well, that's that's as good a place to leave this as any. Um, oh God, yeah. Go subscribe to Mike uh, on Two Deep Zone. Uh, I did a piece on why this game is much more important for the 49ers than it is the Chiefs on USA Today. So go, so go read that right. Steelers stuff behind the steel curtain. Um, and I'm doing a piece where I um, am going back and watching each of Josh Allen's interceptions from this past year and deciding how many of them were actually bad. <laughs> so that have, sh have shots on you and him can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I, Aaron, Aaron's pushing his own boulder right now. Uh, I, I was there when he talked, I was there when he talked himself into Josh Allen and I, get it. I was, yeah. And I was like, I was like, dude, if you're, if we're talking about like the interceptions EPA and we're getting that deep into the statistics, I know the statistic called DVOA <laughs> that you created that you created. And it said Brock Purdy is number one by a wide margin. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, and I was just like, D -d 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 -d. so maybe I might've broken Aaron on that one. Aaron, I'm sorry if I did that, but like, you know, so well, you're going to watch all the Josh, you're going to do the line item v veto. I've, I've already started doing it. I'm at week nine right now. I, I've gotten about halfway through. Uh, I mean, good luck. It's because again, <laughs> 
I've seen enough of these videos where it turns out and none of them were his fault. None of them. I'm not saying none of them are his fault. There was some this year where like as like I make no you know qualm about it that he's my favorite player in the league. Right. So there are I've watched every snap of his, and there were some times this year where I'm just watching, I yell, like, what the fuck are you doing, yeah, Joshua, right. at the TV? Right. But there are some where, you know, it hits Gabe Davis directly in the hands, and it bounces off into the hands of right. a Broncos defender. You're like, okay, like, what? that's not on him. So, And, and the whole thing at the end of the game where Tony Romo decided he was going to uh, quarterback the game himself from the booth. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done this. Oh, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done this. And I was on, I did four radio stings the next day. And uh-huh. every announcer was like, you know, what about the decision-making by Josh Allen at the end there? I was like, I think he was being set and guessed by somebody who, if he was in that game, would have thrown six interceptions. Yeah, yeah. That's so what it was a Tony, so that's a Tony Romo had a ton of playoff success in his career. No, no offense hey, to Tony Romo, no. but yeah, t- tell me, tell me how to field a, uh, a field goal snap, Tony. Tell, <laughs> tell me your, tell me more about your playoff success. And, I, and of course, I get it. I get that you know he does spot things and things like that. But yes, when he's yeah. going hard on that type of thing, it changes the dynamic. Josh Allen played lights out in that game. Yeah, he played absolutely like uh, the Bills would not have been anywhere near close in that game if he wasn't running like a madman and distributing the ball and then they get down close to field goal range and there's like he takes a couple of deeper shots and maybe there was somebody open underneath you can't start second guessing him at that level but right. he's the only reason there it's like oh well he made two bad decisions at the end so he sucks and f him like come on you can't you can't blame him and say that he sunk this ship when he was the only one throwing boat out of the water yes yes right he was throwing boat out of the water and one time with the bail it landed back in Oh, well, that's on him, you know? Yes, very right, much. Right, right. I said boat out of the water. I meant water out of the boat. I definitely said that backwards. <laughs> but 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 every everybody knew knew what we meant. Um, I, I will... An excuse. I'm on Dayquil. Oh, I can't do Dayquil, man. Oh, oh, no, no, I can't do NyQuil. NyQuil will give you fever dreams and make me wake up in a cold oh. sweat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, <laughs> I, I, don't take, I don't take medicine to sleep anymore if I'm sick for that reason. It's probably, a health, uh, probably a healthy attitude but like you know sometimes when you're congested you need a little something but sure waking up at three in the morning with a cold sweat and having a nightmare about something really really strange yeah it's not the best it's not great um but i will i will see you in indy for the combine which is less than a month away as we record this i'm so excited for that it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time me you and doug ferrar are gonna oh we're gonna get a boat of pasta again no (laughs) we're not going to buca no pupo we're not going there i the i had three fake italian meals there and like i'm gonna draw a line in the sand we'll just keep going to ram because what was it uh rock bottom was out of business so like one of the oh that's sad one of the two like little burger joints were out of business so we want to kept going back to to, to buca no pikachu and like <laughs> and i was fine with that boat of pasta with a little bit of p- pesto it was okay but no no line in the sand we'll go to weber's uh, we'll just go to Panera and then we'll go out for drinks afterwards. Anything, but I'm not eating that fake Metagon Italian again. Okay, that's fine. I, I can get on board with that. I, I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with whatever. The, the, the NFL feeds us during the day and then at night we're kind of uh, on our own. But I, I, I'm just along for the ride. I'm there. I'm having fun. I don't, I'm a small boy. I don't got to eat too much to, to get by. So I'll be, right. I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, we, and we but, eat lunch on the, NFL's time. You eat their horrible yes. turkey sandwiches, and you, you 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 get it down. It's like it's get some fruit. You're fine. You're fine. It's like a little. little it's like a little mall food food court attached to the uh, convention oh, center. God, we brought up that damn subway that one. Time. We did get subway that last year. Yeah. Oh um, God, subway. I had subway last night actually. <laughs> because what? Oh yeah, what'd you have? I had um the yoga mat with. <laughs> I had uh, the rotisserie chicken, okay. and I got it on Italian herbs and cheese with uh, pickles, onions, and garlic aioli. See, it always sounds good. Yeah, it was. It was all right. Okay, okay. It's just such give up on life food. Sorry, we will never. It is. Yeah, yeah. I think I got tuna last year, and you did not stop commenting on the fact that I got Subway tuna. For the I, had subway I, I probably started talking about the subway near where the Steelers practice. In I think I do think that this is where that that, that came back to. Where, yes, where you know you get done all your media availabilities at that like <laughs> seminary and everything, and you roll yeah. out. It's like, what am I going to do? Like the bars in Latrobe, you know, they're you're going to run into that guy. You know, he's going to have a he's going to have a, a 
a, uh, a rebel flag with his hat, etc. He's so. going to be wearing a dirty Cordell Stewart jersey, jorts, and era monarchs, and want to <laughs> talk about how great the 2002 season was. Right, right, right. And then he's going to tell you about his politics, and you're going to run screaming. Yeah. So, so you wind up going to Subway if you're me and getting the tuna sandwich and going back to the hotel and being like, "What? What have I done with my life? What have I done with my life?" So. Anyway, uh, I don't know that this is continuing to drag, but um, so last year, Jarrett Bell and I were at Steelers camp on the same day. And obviously we have the same name, same initials and everything like that. So I show up to get my cred and they like start looking confused. Like we already we already have you here. I'm like, oh, I I wasn't here yet today. And uh, somebody else comes in and they say, oh, wait, we gave yours to Jarrett Bell and Jarrett, we're going to give Jarrett Bells to yours if you find each other. Yeah, (laughs) and you all all look so much alike. I can see. Oh, yeah. No, we're separated at birth, me and Jarrett Bell. (laughs) Um, So I found him. That's the first time I had ever met him in in person, too. So I like tapped him on the shoulder. He's like, Jarrett Bell. And immediately he's like, Jarrett Bailey. I'm like, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) We we switched our stuff. So, So that was a fun little occurrence between him and I. Uh, last year in Latrobe, are you are you doing a camp tour by chance? I mean, I got to figure out who's going to credential me and everything in the days and weeks to come, and uh, everything's going to be on my dime. So I'll figure it out. I'd like to go out to Latrobe for a couple of days. Oh um, man, let's let's do it together. It'll be a fun time. Try to do it, and like what, you eat at that place. Oh, is it stop and eat? Uh, go uh, stop. And, I don't stop I don't and eat. Lunch. I don't eat too much stuff out there. There's a bar there that I usually go to with a few of the uh, another beat guy uh, has really good uh, wings and uh, relatively nice priced beers. There's a bar that there used to be a bar that was in somebody's basement oh. that I went to for a couple of years, but it was actually officially a bar. I don't know if that's still open. Uh, that was neat. There's a one in a town, the next town over where it was like, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're, there's like a place in the mall. Not the, the shopping center parking lot. That's kind of like a Denny's, but it's not a Denny's. And the pie is amazing. The pie is so good. So we'll get, we'll get pie and Latrobe then this summer. We'll come, pie and, come, Latrobe, and then we'll go get beer after pie, and it'll be delicious. Amen. All right, my friend. It's always great talking to you. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. I'll be betting on it heavy and texting you my bets. Hopefully they hit. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. I'll be betting a little bit too. Oh. And we'll be back next week with this is where we're going to start just one episode a week after the season's done. But once again, to free agency, maybe we'll, we'll amp it up a little bit. Um, but enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. It's the Bump Fake. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.